growing in God's Word, and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. I'll say this again. I've said it for three weeks now. I'll say this again, that I would ask you to really answer these questions honestly. Over the last few weeks, Pastor Clay has asked us to examine our lives and answer four questions based on verses 15 through 17 of the third chapter of Colossians. We began with... Does the peace of Christ rule in your heart? And the second question... Does the Word of Christ dwell in your heart? And Paul says, let the Word of Christ dwell richly in your heart and your life. Last week, Pastor Clay asked... Does the joy of Christ fill your heart? And this week, the question is... Does the life of Christ come from your heart? I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. These four questions can have a profound impact on our lives, but there's a fifth question we'll also be asked to consider, and it's probably the most important of them all. What are you going to do about it? As we begin to ponder the answer to that question, Pastor Clay issues a challenge to change our lives and outlines the steps to take in our closer walk with Jesus. We're glad you've joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. been kind of looking at uh, this latter part of, well, middle part maybe, Colossians 3, this verses 15 through 17, and asking some questions as a result of that. And last week we began with some questions. Tyler, did you happen to find any other questions, new questions? You know, we were asking all different kinds of uh, questions, you know, like uh, uh, why is Iceland covered with green grass and Greenland covered with ice and, you know, some of that kind of stuff. Somebody gave me a good one. I said, man, I wish I'd thought of that one. Somebody said, if, uh, if olive oil is made from oil, oil what are baby, what's baby oil made from? So, <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good question. Questions that uh, can and should impact our lives. Today is a really uh, big question of the fourth. They're all important Maybe this kind of brings it all uh, together. But I'll say this again. I've said it for three weeks now. I'll say this again, that I would ask you to really answer these questions honestly. As, as I say them to you, and, and what I hope you do then is internalize that question and, and uh, keep one ear on me, keep listening, but at the same time you're thinking, okay, how, how am I doing that? And we'll get into questions, we'll explain some of that in a minute. But how am I doing in that area of life? It is that, how would I answer that question? Because how you answer these questions, and I've said this several times, how you answer these questions uh, is a direct reflection of where you are in life in general and where you are in this whole walking with Jesus kind of thing. We're in Colossians chapter 3, and we're just reading just verses 15 through 17. I want to review the questions that we've already asked very briefly, and then get to the fourth question, and then I'll have one more question for you at the end. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, uh, please open it there, and then the text will be on the screen as well. I'm reading from the New American Standard. And I know we're jumping right into the middle of the chapter, but I think you can get the gist, and as we kind of explain, you'll get the gist of of what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Remember, he's writing to the church in Colossae, the church in Asia Minor that was having its struggles. We've talked about that in the first two chapters, the the, uh, theological issues that were going on there, they're having to deal with, and now 
the, uh, the practical application in chapters 3 and 4. And that's where everybody wants to get to, right? Okay, yeah. Now, what do I do with all this kind of stuff? Verse 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which, indeed, you were called in one body. By the way, that's a theme Paul brings up a lot, this idea of unity, uh, the body connected and, and, and sharing in this, this life together. The peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Notice that theme of gratitude or thankfulness that comes up again and again. In verse 17, whatever you do, tell you what, if you will, will you read out loud uh, verse 17 with me, please? Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Father, we do pray in Jesus' name that what we would do in word or deed would bring honor and glory to you. I've got some things to say about that today, Father, uh, that I believe you've laid on my heart to say, but what's most important is that it be based on your word. So I'm asking for each man, woman, boy, or girl in this room that just your spirit would uh, work in our hearts and our lives and that you would accomplish your purposes, Father. It's Labor Day weekend and kind of a long weekend, football College football kicked off uh, this weekend, and um, a lot of activities, maybe people cooking out today and tomorrow, a lot of people traveling, I know that. There's just so much going on. It is a busy world that we live in. We all have busy lives. I rarely meet anybody that says, man, I wish life would speed up. It's just way too slow. No, it's usually the opposite. Father, we're slowing down here in these verses because I, I know they've had a profound impact on my life, and I, I want your people, to get it. I want us to understand the truths and then apply them to our lives. So as we ask these questions today, Father, based on what you had the Apostle Paul write here to the church in Colossae, may they have their application at the church in Raleigh, here at Cross Culture Church. May we be asking ourselves those questions and answering them honestly. And then, Lord, allowing you to do uh, what in the end only you can do. In your name, amen. Okay, so there were four questions, and we started two weeks ago with this question, based on Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Does the peace of Christ rule in your heart? And we went into in-depth about this whole, this word rule and the implications of that, and that it meant this, this standard or guide, or at least part of, partially what it meant was this rule becomes the umpire of your life. This peace, I mean, becomes the umpire of your life, and it guides you, and it keeps you in the will of God, and it keeps you from straying out of the will of God by, by either having or absence of peace in your life, and, and again, I know I'm repeating myself for those of you who have been here, but we explained exactly the difference between the peace of Christ and the peace that we sometimes can come up with on our own or the peace that the world offers to us, that that's something very different than the peace of Christ. And as I said then, and I'll say it uh, 
from now till Jesus takes me home. Once you experience the peace of Christ in your life, and I mean truly the peace of Christ, and you can go back and listen to that message where we talked a little more about that, but when you experience the peace of Christ in your life, you absolutely will not settle for anything else in your life. You won't settle for the world's idea of peace. You won't settle for some temporary um, uh, break in your circumstances. Uh, I mean, we all, it's like, oh, got to catch my breath. But I'm talking about something that goes far deeper than that. This abiding, this idea of ruling my heart and my life so that whatever the world throws at me, I have that peace in my heart and in my life. Second question we ask, again, based on Colossians chapter 3, was this. Does the word of Christ dwell in your heart? And Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in your, in your heart and, and your life. And this, this idea of mega wealthy, does, does the word of God dwell in your life? Not just the intake of the information, all right? Oh, yeah, I can memorize. I know John 3.16. I know, you know, I said this and that. Great, fantastic. Need it in our lives. But not just the intake of the information that is the Word of God, but the outflow of the Word of God manifested in our lives, right? Because what is the, what's the sense? Uh, what difference does it make? If I, if I can quote Genesis to Revelation, but it doesn't manifest itself in our lives, then really what? difference does it make? I'll talk more about that in a minute. But does the word of Christ dwell in your heart? The third question, and we took all of the time last week to ask this, does the joy of Christ fill your heart? Now, I was thinking about this, you know, there's obviously there's some similarities between the first question, the peace of Christ, and and the third question, the joy of Christ. But it's based on this this verse here in, uh, in verse 16 where he says, uh, of course, the idea of letting the Word of Christ dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So it goes beyond the, the idea of being able to sing the, the hymns or the praise courses or whatever. And I, last week, I kind of broke this down. I gave you my, uh, my take on, on what Paul's referring to when he says psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, songs from God, songs about God, and songs to God. But it's this idea of this abiding joy. Obviously, there's some similarities between that and the peace. But what I was thinking about was peace, uh, obviously, is something internal. That no matter what's raging around me, I've got, uh, there's, uh, I'm all right. It's okay. And joy, perhaps, is something that, that while it is internal, I, it will probably manifest itself into uh, the world and the people's lives around me. There'll be a sense of joy in my life that people should be able to perceive, right? Don't y'all think? Thank you. (laughs) And I I know I've said this before, and I'm sure at different times, but shouldn't followers of Christ, shouldn't we have the most joy of anybody in life? Shouldn't we? Now listen, I know we all have struggles. I know, you know, there's lots of things that go on in lives. I know that there's, there's, depression issues that have to be dealt with and all kinds of stuff in life. But shouldn't we have, if anybody ought to have joy, shouldn't it be the followers of Jesus? Do do you, I mean, come on. Do you think NC State fans were like excited yesterday and they just, whoa, and and it was was easy to see, right? Do you think Carolina fans were like, yeah, and it was evident it was on their life? Do you think Duke, Duke, oh, oh, wait, never mind, Sorry. Do you think Richmond fans were... It's it's evident, right? You can see it. It's evident on their lives. So shouldn't Christians have a joy in our lives that exudes 
kind of comes to the surface of our life. Um, I, I've been up in the mountains uh, all week riding, and, uh, and I'm so grateful I had the opportunity to do that. But I'm trying to finish a book, and uh, I'm getting close to the end. It was a good week. It was a good week. But, but it's on my brain, so y'all have to forgive me. I'm going to make several uh, connections to that uh, today, but it, it certainly is, is on, my, on my brain. But um, I, I had this uh, pastor, Cindy and I used to have this pastor that used to say, why do so many Christians look like they were baptized in vinegar? You, you know what I'm saying? Does the joy of Christ... Now, I'm telling you, that's not only good, that's not only good for me. I mean, for me, if the joy of Christ in my life, that's not only therapeutic and, and helpful to me, it is contagious. I believe that it is the greatest evangelistic tool that you and I have. If we say, boy, I'd love to see my friend come to Christ. I'd love to see my neighbor come to Christ. I'd love to see my, uh, my family member come to Christ then the joy of Christ is probably the best tool we have and puts us in the greatest position for the Holy Spirit to use us. So, those are the first three questions. Does the peace of Christ rule in your hearts? Does the word of Christ dwell in your hearts? And does the joy of Christ fill your heart? Here's the fourth question today. And if you want to fill in an outline, you do have one on the back of your information sheet. Does the life of Christ... Come from your heart. Again, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Clearly, verse 17, if you, if you, if you happen to have your Bible with you and you've got it open, and you know it's kind of right in the middle of all this, clearly, verse 17, I mean, you can just gather that just reading it without even knowing the context pretty much. It's designed to be sort of a summation statement, sort of a wrap-up. He said this, and he said this, and you need to do this, and you need to have this, and you need this. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Clearly, Paul's kind of summarizing where he's been. It is also, by the way, intended to be an introductory statement to where he's going in the rest of chapter 3. Verses 18 through 25 and the whole household thing and the role of the husband and the role of the wife and the role of the children and the, and the way you conduct yourself at, at work and all that kind of stuff, which, Lord willing, we will get to next week. Very interesting. But he, he kind of introduces that section by saying, and whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks through him. To God the Father. It's very interesting, uh, this word whatever there, where he says, and whatever you do. Very interesting, the word uh, whatever. You know, in the original language that the New Testament was written in, in Greek, by the way, you know, I, if you tend cross culture, you know that I say that a lot, don't I? I? All the time I'm going back to, well, in the original language, the original language, in, in, in the Hebrew, in the Greek, let me tell you why I do that. I, mean, it's, I think it's important to explain from time to time. The Bible that you hold in your hand or that you have at home or that's on your smartphone or, or, or iPad or, or whatever, um, it wasn't originally written in English, okay? The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew thousands of years ago. The New Testament was originally written in Greek 2,000 years ago. And every Bible that we have today are translations where, where editors sat down and, and scholars and they looked at the original language and they translated it over into the language that the particular people are speaking, in our case, English. And it's good, from my perspective, as a student of the Word of God, it's good every once in a while that you understand what, what a word actually says in the original language because sometimes little nuances 
come out of the original language that perhaps the translation maybe slightly misses, or, or maybe misses is the wrong word, but doesn't emphasize quite as much as maybe I would like it to, and that I want you to understand. Very interesting, in this case, the word that is translated whatever in the original uh, Greek literally means whatever. That's exactly what it means. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, Colossians chapter 3, verses 17 doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room, does it? Can you find any escape clause in there? Where's the, where's the small print? Where's, oh, that's the footnotes down there. No, it's not in the small print. There's no escape clause. There's no small print. There's no condition. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now, this little phrase here, in the name of the Lord Jesus, all right? That is not some sort of magical Harry Potter incantation that you can speak just before you do something and make it it's going to come out right, or it's, it's going to be right. I drank this coffee in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it will be non-calorie, which is ridiculous considering how much sweetener I put in it. I picked these lottery numbers in the name of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> I, I am of the belief, I was thinking about this when he's down here worshiping the Lord, and I was thinking, I bet there's more praying that goes on at a convenience store before lottery numbers are picked out than there ever is at the church or in the home. Lord Jesus, you know I'm going to tithe if I win this. You know it. You know I am. <laughs> it, no, it, it's, not, it's not just some, that's not what it means. What it means is, and, and I know, you're, you're not dummies. It's not hard to figure this out, is it? Whatever we do, whatever you do today, whatever I do today and tomorrow and the next day and however many days that we have, we do them Those things we choose to do and the way we do those things, we choose to do them in a way that will honor and glorify God. Bottom line, that it brings glory to God. That's our desire. In the way I conduct myself in my marriage, in the way I conduct myself in the workplace, in the way I conduct myself in my neighborhood, in the decisions that I make, in all these things, in everything you do. In word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I, I think it was James Dobson that uh, originally told this story. And this was years ago, okay? You got to understand, this was years ago. This was um, before the days of cell phones. And that's hard to believe for some of you that are younger. Um, but this was before the days of cell phones and when there was a payphone on every corner. Um, James Dobson, uh, I believe it was him, told the story about when his daughter came to an age where she began to date. Um, that when she was getting ready to go out on her very first date for the first time, he handed her a quarter. And he told her he always wanted to keep this quarter on her. And that when she was out on a date and she was out with a guy, if that guy ever got to a point where he began to take that date farther than it should go, he was, y'all understand what I'm, what I'm saying? That, that, that he was wanting to take the physical relationship farther than, than, than it should go. That... Dr. Dobson said, I want you to take the quarter out, I want you to hand it to him, and I want you to tell him, go call my dad. If he says it's okay, then it's okay with me. 
Sometimes, I, I, I think you and I, we need to get on the Jesus phone when we're debating about, you know, I don't know should I? I don't, you know, is this right? We need to get on Jesus' phone and say, Lord, is this something in word or deed that's going to bring honor to you? Or is it going to dishonor you? If I make this decision, if I make this choice, if I go down this road, and listen, the road doesn't have to be long, all right? Yeah, so there can be some decisions that, that are lifetime affected. But it might, let, me, let me give you an example. I, uh, a few weeks ago, we were getting ready to do the, the appreciation breakfast for the teachers here. I had to order um, breakfast sandwiches, and I called McDonald's, see what's on the dollar menu. I was looking to get a good deal. Um, so I call, and I talked to a lady, very nice lady, and she said, sure, it's no problem. Uh, here's what's on the dollar menu. And uh, you know, I said, okay, well, I'm thinking maybe somewhere between 100 and 150 sandwiches. Not sure yet. I need to check with my wife, and I'll let you know. She said, okay, there's no problem. Uh, just call me back, let me know. She said, if I happen to not be here, anybody should be able to help you. So I talked to Cindy, and Cindy said, I think 100 will be plenty. So I think it's something we right? I think 100 will be, be plenty. So I call back up. Well, the nice lady didn't answer the phone. Another lady answered the phone. The anti-nice lady. And listen, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening in this woman's life. I don't know if somebody burned the Big Macs or what. But this lady is clearly not. I mean, it's like, hi, uh, my name's Clay. I called there just a little while ago. Yeah. I talked to, uh, and I said whatever the lady's name was. I'd written it down. Stephanie or something. I, I, I talked to Stephanie about ordering some breakfast sandwiches. And yeah. I said, well, could I talk to Stephanie? She's not here. She went home. That's the tone. And I said, um, okay, well, I talked to her about uh, ordering some breakfast sandwiches. And do you want her number? Would you like to call her at home? That's what she said. And okay, all right. I'm a man of the cloth. I'm trying to be calm. But, you know, you just, mm. and I, And so I said, I don't know. Do I need to call her at home? No, I can take care of it. So this, I mean, this is like, mm, mm, mm. So finally... Because this, I, I know, I, I'm right there, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm ready to say, have a good day, and just hang up. Because I'm pretty sure there's another McDonald's somewhere else that I can call. But, I'm, but I made a choice. Whether it's Holy Spirit conviction or I don't know, but I made a choice. I said, and it's like, in this instant, it's like, you don't, do you know what's going on in her life? Did her husband just walk out on her? Is she wondering how she's going to pay her rent tomorrow? Did her car, do you know what's going on in her life? So I just, I just kind of, you know, and I said, ma'am, I said, it really sounds like you're having a, a hard day. Uh, if, it's, if it's bad time, I can call back at another time or whatever. And, she, and, and it was amazing. She just kind of calmed down. She said, no. She apologized. I said, I'm sorry. And she, she went on through it. But, but in that moment, I, I've got a choice to make. Do I choose to honor God or, or not? Now, if, I, if I'd have given up on the lady and called him another McDonald's, does that dishonor God? I don't know, but the way I may have handled it may have dishonored God. In everything you say and do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And listen, this, this, is, this is a message I have been trying to get across to people for years. And it is the idea that, that Christianity, following Jesus, isn't a part of of your life. It's not. It is your life. If you bend your knee at the foot of the cross and you say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and I want you to be my Savior and Lord, then following Christ is your life. 
Everything you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, you, every one of you sitting wherever you are sitting this morning can instantly think of a hundred different things in your life on a daily basis where, where you're interacting or you're making decisions or you're making choices. And you can think, all right, where's that going? How's that going to be? Does, am I honoring him with the way I handle it? Am I dishonoring him with the way I handle it? And I really think this is where a lot of people miss it. I'm convinced that a lot of people believe that they're supposed to be a good Christian. That that, uh, do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that, don't do that. Do this. That it's all these do's and don'ts. And if I get these right and if I don't, then it's the idea of being a good Christian. And listen, if that's you, I hate to burst your bubble. But you, you can't do it. You, you, you can't do it. Not within yourself. It's not possible for you to do this thing that we're called to do. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, okay. That's easy. Not in yourself. It's not. You'll never be able to do it. And here's why. Because spiritually speaking, you've brought a knife to a gunfight. You're going to lose. Here's why. First, you have an enemy that deceives. You have an enemy that will and does deceive you. John chapter 8, Jesus says he, meaning Satan, was a murderer. And li- listen, there's no, not a lot of sugarcoating this, is there? He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Please, please get this idea out of your head of some guy running around in red pajamas with a pitchfork in his hand. This enemy that you and I have is evil personified. He really is. He is murderous, merciless. He is a master manipulator. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. And he will and he does deceive us if we try and think that we can operate somehow and do life in our own power and our own strength. Now listen to me. There's a lot I can say about that. We can have victory. Jesus said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But I'm just saying to you that in in the daily basis, in, in in your desire to be a good Christian... You have an enemy that deceives. And to think anything less than that is simply naive and dangerous. Second, you have a world that distracts, right? Hey, and it's not just the shiny things. You know, I make fun of, ooh, ooh, shiny, shiny, hey. It's not just that. It's not just the, I mean, yeah, there's shiny stuff out there that gets our attention. But it's not just that. People, hey, y'all ever had any people that have distracted you from your, from your walk with Christ? It can be circumstances. It can be trials and tribulations. It's not just the shiny stuff. It can just be the stuff of life that so consumes me. I'm so, so much going on and, and I haven't even, it hasn't even entered my mind about, well, I wonder if, if I, this is something that's really honoring God or not. Because I'm just, I'm just distracted. I'm just over here. We have an enemy that deceives, and we have a world that distracts, and truth be told, we have a flesh that desires. Our flesh wants what our flesh 
once, right? Does anybody else fight that? I do. Our flesh, meaning us, my, my, my physicality, who I am as a person. Not, not my spirit, not who I am in Christ, but, but the old clay wants to rear his ugly head and choose what he wants, my flesh. And it desires. Apostle Paul, a rather candid uh, passage in Romans chapter 7, says this. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Can you relate to this? I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin in me that does it. Paul's not letting himself off the hook. He's just saying that it's his sinful nature in me. That does it. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever say, good, googly moo? Am I ever going to get this right? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. It's, it's, it's the desires of your flesh that, that are pulling against you, that are waging war against you. And between a, a, the devil who, who deceives and a world that distracts and our flesh that desires. So is that it? Give up, tap out, out for the count? Well, sadly, I'll just be honest with you, I've seen it in a good many years of ministry now. Seeing I have seen people do it, walk away. I can't, this is just too frustrating, it's, it's too hard, it's too difficult. It, it, it's, it's not what I thought it was going to be, it's, it, I, I can't do it. And they, and they get aggravated and they get anxious and they get frustrated and they just, and they just put it down, they just walk away from from Christianity, walk away from, from their professed faith. Now, that's bad. But can I tell you this? Most people probably go the other, to the other extreme. They just settle in. Well, I guess this is Christianity. Do the best I can. Try and be a good Christian. Work at it. Try not to do this. Try to do that. And this Christianity thing, it's a, just a part of my life. I need to try and Get it right. Listen, that's as bad as walking away. And in fact, I'll even say this. When you get to the place where you say, I can't do this, you may finally be in position to get this because it's not within you. And so that's why I asked the question, does Christ, does the life of Christ come from your heart? Now, at this point, uh, I might normally say something like, and that's a question ultimately that only you and God can answer. But in this case, there's some other people that could help you answer that question. Okay, the peace question. Okay, yeah, that, maybe only you and God. Yeah, joy, you know. oh, guys, if you're here and you're married or dating a relationship or whatever, if I were to ask your wife this question about you, guys, does the life of Christ come from so-and-so's heart? How would they answer that question? Are you thinking about it? Ladies, not letting y'all off the hook. 
How would your husbands answer that question about you? Do you live your life in such a way that would honor Christ? Which, here's what that means. That means that you're walking in accordance to His will based on what has revealed in His Word. So, ladies, are you honoring your husbands? Are you respecting them? Are you building them up? Are you meeting their needs? Are you... Y'all are thinking, now that's more than you said to the guys. (laughs) I am one! No, Listen. Listen, we we could go right on down the line. Let's go ask your boss or your employees. Let's go ask our neighbors. What would they say? No, that guy doesn't. Nah, no. It's a, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty important question. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. All right, I, I know I've got I to wrap this up, but real quickly, let me get I said there are four questions. I've asked you four questions, but I, as I said a couple weeks ago, there really are five questions. And the fifth question may be the most important question of all, and that question is simply this. What are you going to do about it? If you look at your life, and we've done this self-examination, and listen, I've been, I've been asking myself this question for weeks, but if, if, if you've done this self-examination, if you've answered these questions honestly, and you say, you know what, there's some adjustments that need to... I don't have the peace of Christ in my life. Oh, maybe from time to time I experience a little, but I don't have the peace of Christ ruling my heart and my life. The Word of Christ doesn't richly dwell within me. I, I learned a memory verse one time in VBS, but it, it doesn't really richly dwell within me the joy of christ yeah no does it flow out of my heart i don't if you look at your life and you say there's some adjustments verse 17 is just i don't even come close to verse 17 what are you going to do about it do we just walk away and say wow feel really bad about that one thanks pastor all right let me give you uh, at least something to kind of grab a hold of, if, if you're sitting here and you're saying, I want to do it, I want to make, make some changes, I want the peace of Christ, I want the joy of Christ, I want the word of Christ, I want to live Christ out in my life. Let me give you this uh, A5 challenge. First, assess. Now that's at least partially what these questions have been designed to do, to get you to assess your life, to stop slow down long enough in the midst of the busyness of the life and to, to turn around and look at clay in the mirror of God's word and say, is that my life? Do I have the peace of Christ? Does the word of Christ richly dwell with all of those things there? Assess your life. And again, you've got to be honest or don't even worry about it. Don't even worry with it. To assess. Second, admit Listen, you got to, at some point, when you do an assessment and you say, I, I don't have this and I'm missing that and I'm falling down in this, you got to admit it. You got to admit it to yourself first. And, and sometimes that can be the hardest part. And you've got to admit it to God. The Bible calls that repentance. To say, God, I, I, I've blown it. I, I'm, I'm not where I need to be in my walk with you. And Paul says, I, I ought to have all this stuff, peace and joy. And, and admit it. Say, God, would you forgive me? Third, ask. Ask God. <laughs> Just ask. Sometimes somebody say, well, he's God. He can do anything. He doesn't, I don't have to ask. Yes, that's true, but it doesn't work that way. You ever read this verse, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus speaking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come unto him, will dine with him, 
and He with me. In other words, there'll be this close, intimate fellowship, relationship. But notice He stands at the door and knocks. As I've heard it said before, Jesus is a perfect gentleman and He'll never bust down the door. If you want this in your life, ask Him. Say, God, do a work in my life. Do you even for a second think that's a prayer God won't answer? Uh, what are we on? Number four, allow. You've got to allow God to do it, all right? If you've assessed and you've admitted and you've asked, you've got to allow. Can I say this to you? This is sometimes where the roadblock comes. When it comes to allowing. Because we genuinely mean this, but this is where change has to begin to occur. And sometimes change hurts. Sometimes we don't like change. I, I've heard, some of you have heard me say before that I, I, used, to, I used to be an, a serious tennis player. When I say serious tennis player, I mean at least five, five to six days a week, three to four hours a day serious. And, and, the, and I can look back and see a lot of things that God did and why he did things. But I honestly believe with all my heart that one of the reasons God moved me from Florida to Tennessee was so that he could break the, the stronghold that tennis had on my life. Because it gets cold in Tennessee in the wintertime. You can't play tennis. And you could year-round. To break the stronghold of tennis. Stronghold? That's a strong word. I mean, tennis isn't bad. It is. If it's keeping you from being everything God wants you to be, I don't care what it is, in everything you do, in order. You've got to allow God to make the changes. And sometimes you go, whoa, whoa. I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be like that. I didn't know I was going to have to change jobs. Or I didn't know I was going to have to rethink this. Or I didn't know I was going to start treating this person nicer. I didn't, I didn't know this was going to come into my life. I didn't know this was going to happen. Well, let me ask you a question. How did you think it was going to be? Well, I just thought I could take a Jesus pill. I got pills for everything else. There's no pill for this, ladies and gentlemen. You got to allow God to do this work in your life. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, it will not always be pleasant. But it will always be profitable. One more act. Nike made a lot of money off this, ladies and gentlemen. Just do it. Stop making excuses. Stop saying, I don't have enough time. Stop saying, I don't have enough knowledge. Stop saying, I'm too young. Stop saying, I'm too old. Stop saying, stop it. Act. Decide from this moment on, God, I'm going to let you make these changes in my heart and my life. I want your peace rule in my life. I want your joy to flow out of me. I want to live the life of Christ. I want your word to richly dwell within me. And you got to act. Yes, act. Start. Start today. Stop making excuses. Stop delaying. Stop saying you know you need to let God change you. Do it. Act on the Holy Spirit's prompting. It's the A5 challenge to help you move forward. Assess. Admit. Ask. Allow. And act. Do you want to change? Do you want to live with the peace of Christ in your heart? Do you want the Word of Christ richly dwelling in you? Do you desire the joy of Christ filling your heart? And do you want the life of Christ coming from your heart? Well then, take the challenge. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sundays at 1030 at Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of 
the cross, and it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.